Hey friends, welcome to episode 173 of Motherhood in Hollywood. My guest today is actress, writer, producer, creator, and world-renowned improviser, Jamie Denbo. She's going to be talking to us about her new show on Lifetime called American Princess. So much fun. Here we go. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, you guys. I'm so glad you're here. Um, We have a really great episode today. As I said, Jamie Denbo is on the show. She is a juggernaut in the world of improv and comedy. Um, She has also been on every TV show you could imagine, um, from The Good Place to Orange is the New Black. Um, I I would list her IMDb, but it would take me almost the entire show to do that. So she is um, a working actor, and she is a working creator, and I'm so excited to talk with her today about her new Lifetime show called American Princess, and it, it is a hilarious look at the world of the Renaissance Fair and the Ren Fair. In fact, I'm going to be um, going with her to a very special uh, event for, um, it's at the Ren Ren Fair to promote uh, American Princess. So I'm super excited about that. You guys are going to love this interview with her. So make sure you listen to it. Uh, Also, make sure you take a moment to please subscribe to this podcast episode. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. If you are a first-time listener, long-time listener, whatever the case may be, take a minute, subscribe, and leave me a review, which I would appreciate it. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Motherhood in Hollywood and also on Twitter at Heather Brooka. All right, so let's talk about what's happening this week. There is a lot going on, some stuff I can't announce yet. I've got some really big news and some exciting things happening in the beginning of June. I'm kind of freaking out about, uh, but I can't talk about it just yet. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you follow along. I'm going to announce it on my Instagram. And also, it well, it, I should say, it involves um, Toy Story 4. Okay, <laughs> that's it. That's all you get. Um, what else is happening? Mother's Day is, is happening this weekend. Um, it, it, I don't really have anything planned. I think we're going to go have a brunch. Um, and then I'm just hoping to just relax and not do much of anything, quite honestly. That, to me, sounds like a pretty ideal Mother's Day situation. Hopefully my husband will listen to this episode and get the hint <laughs> to maybe take Channing for a day-long hike and just let me be. And um, what else is going on in the world? I've been seeing a lot of movies lately, a lot of good TV shows. I'm working really hard with uh, with NBC to get some great interviews. Uh, I just, oh, hello, I almost forgot. I just interviewed Ellen. Yeah. Yeah. That Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres. Um, I cannot believe I almost forgot to mention this part. So I was invited to an Emmy consideration event to interview her and I was a little nervous. Like I don't get nervous, but all of a sudden, like there was a nervous energy in the room at the red carpet and people I think are just like, it's Ellen. She's such a mega star and people were a little, a little nervous. And so it kind of, kind of rubbed off on me a little bit, but I think the interview went well. She played around with me a little bit. We had fun. It was such a good conversation. It is up right now on um, the NBC website, but it's also up on my Facebook page as well. If you'd like to watch it, it, it was just really fun and such a, such a treat. It may be the only time I ever get to um, talk to Ellen because <laughs> Lord knows I'm never going to be famous, famous enough to be on her show. Um, who knows guys, motherhood in Hollywood could take off and I'll be on there. Uh, lickety split. 
So um, Channing only has like a month left of school. We're talking about summer vacations. We don't know where to go. There's so many options and they're all so expensive, quite honestly, that I'm just like, maybe we just stay here for the summer and use that money for camps for Channing. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's crazy to me how expensive it is to travel for um, for family travel. So if you guys have some cost uh, saving ideas, I'm open. I'm open to hearing it. I would love for you to share that with me. Uh, okay, so I want to get into this interview right away with Jamie Denbo because she is, um, I really feel like inspired after talking with her. It makes me, it reminds me of how much I love acting and how much I love in being in a character and just sort of like chewing up the scenery, you know, with a with a really fun character. As a matter of fact, I'm going to um, a big acting class tomorrow, this weekend, um, to kind of dip my toe back in the acting water a little bit again, since I've kind of been so focused on motherhood in Hollywood and my attention for NBC and my job and everything have been so divided that I really just feel this yearning and this desire to go back to acting and creating in some way. Um, and I really feel like after talking with Jamie, I was like, Oh, I miss improv. I miss comedy. I miss doing stuff like that. So, I hope this um, this is an inspiring interview for you as well. If there's something you're wanting to do creatively, she was an actor and decided that she wanted to go on the other side of the camera and start creating. And she realized that there was a lot of power in that. So now she's a creator and producer. Um, so I think you guys are really going to love her story. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Jamie Denbo. So I can already tell you this interview today is going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of actory talk. There's going to be a lot of creatory talk. I'm so excited that Jamie Dembo is here. I'm so Hi. excited to be here. Um, I also saw that you're from Boston. I am from Boston. I meant to say that earlier. My husband's from Bo- Where's the he from? Boston area. He's from a little town called Bill Ricca. That's all. Of course I know Bill Ricca. Here's yeah. the thing about Bill Ricca. Bill Ricca is a town that gets listed on snow day towns. So when I was in uh. elementary school and you would listen to the radio, like praying for your, it'd be snowing outside and you'd be like, mm-hmm. Is my school canceled? Is my school canceled? Bill Ricca always canceled. Always because canceled. they were on the they're on like the South Shore, right? Oh, so like yeah. I, yeah, so they always get hit harder. <clears throat> and Swampscott, where is where I'm from, was like fifty mm, percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. So because yeah. we were kind of protected a little and you're bit. Like oh, those lucky Bill no. Ricca Hull, kids. Hull and, and Bill Ricca. I was like, what? Can we move to Hull or Bill Ricca? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, my husband um, lived there till they were about. He was about twelve or so. Sure. And then he moved to Oklahoma. So it's oh my god, quite of an adjustment. That's a culture shock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're both terribly racist but they're uh, which is what <laughs> in they have in common ways. but yeah I mean I think the accents are different enough so yeah, wow yeah. that's wild yeah well his dad is a professor and oh. um, he's like a research scientist so he got hired by Oklahoma State University which is where we met was that, in Tul- what, was that in Tulsa it's just outside of Tulsa in a town called Stillwater Oklahoma sure okay wow. so um, so yeah I saw that and I was like oh we gotta talk about just about Boston oh my just god a little of bit. course Love we it. can talk about oh it oh my but god I gotta, I, I gotta do my accent because <laughs> it's like Bill Ricker is like one of those places you know what I mean like, I love it. Yeah, a lot of Italians, a lot of Irish, you know, not too many black people, but, you know, we bring them in to go to Harvard. I love it. Yeah. We, um, Chris, it was funny, my husband's name is Chris, he was like, for our anniversary. Everyone from Massachusetts is named Chris. Named Chris, yeah. He's like, for our anniversary, he's like, um, uh, let's go to Boston and New York. Like, we didn't want to go to necessarily a beach or do the traditional, you know, like whatever. That's a fun trip. We wanted to go and like see things and have like adventures so we wanted to go to new york for a few days sure. take the train down to boston and then up stay to boston there. up to boston yep. the other way yeah 
so um, he got us like a bed and breakfast in the back bay. And, oh, like, beautiful. We went, and he's like, and we'll go and we'll do the Freedom Trail. It'll yep. be so great. I didn't know the Freedom Trail is like three miles long. Yeah, it's long. a long walk. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so I have my like, I just got married shoes and I'm oh. just like walking through Boston and I'm sure, and I literally about half a mile in, I was like, um... How much longer is this trail? And he goes, oh, it goes all the way around through the North End and da da da. And I was like, what? (laughs) So about halfway, I think we had to stop and get me some new shoes because I was like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. You cannot just casually. No, that's and it's and it's like cobblestone. Like it's it's a it's a it's old streets. Like it's cow paths. You're going to die. Yes, it's for real hike. So we literally walked the entire Freedom Trail. Oh, good for you. I don't. I think I did that. Like that was definitely like an elementary. It was probably something you had to do in elementary. And like, well, and would. What's weird mm-hmm. is when you're a kid, you don't realize, and this is kind of interesting, like b- being a mom in California, mm-hmm. like y- your kids go through school and they learn the local yes, thing. the California so, like, history. Right. Just, and like yeah. if you grow up in Massachusetts, I'm sure your husband did the mm-hmm. same thing. Like you learn very intensely about like mm-hmm. the pilgrims, by the way, completely skewed history, like, right. you know, Indians bad. But like right. you learn about the Puritans and you learn about the Crucible and you le- like you really focus on Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's the same thing in Oklahoma. We learned a right. lot about the Trail of Tears. Right, which I n- did yeah. not learn about. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like my kids are like Gold Rush and like the Chumash Indian. Like it's such an interesting I, it never really occurred to me before I was Your parent. state history, yeah. Yes, state. and so I was like, oh, everybody knows about the Puritans, and it's like, <laughs> well, they kind of do, but not really. Wait, there was one chapter on yeah, that, Yeah, they think. didn't go deep, 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 <laughs> Oh, deep. we went deep. It but was we went like, to, like, Plymouth Plantation and shit like that, which yeah. was amazing. We ended up, I can't remember the name of the ship, but the trail ended at the end of, like, there was a ship there. Oh, the, the Trail Harbor. of Tears is fascinating. Not the Trail of Tears, the, um, Co- the Oh, the North, trail. sorry, sorry, yeah. the Freedom Trail. Oh, yeah. the, they landed at the Tea Party, I'm yes. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um... So it was just really interesting and really funny. I was like, so romantic. Oh, yeah. No, you guys really, you, you dove into some, like, yes. serious, like, religiously, we like, did. war-based Here's philosophy. the deal, though. I'm a history nerd. Oh, so this must have been great for I, you. We loved it. Like, I joke about it now, but we loved it. Like, That's awesome. I love history. I love reading um, historic fiction, historic Me too. nonfiction. I do. I like that stuff. Um, so. I focus a lot on Elizabeth in that yeah, I'm very very yes. like the other Boleyn girl was my jam like I, when it first came out I was like this is the greatest thing I've ever oh read oh my god did you read like there's like that whole yes, series of I read a bunch of Gregory all yeah that. I read a bunch I feel like at one point after a while they started to all kind of seem the same yes. but it's like yeah yes yeah. they do sort of blend in after a while so then I like transferred over to like fiction um, or non-fiction excuse me um, which is why I loved watching the trailer oh, for your show uh, thank you American Princess yes American Princess on Lifetime Starting June 2nd, but... We have to talk about where this came from. So, And first of all, tell everybody what it's about and where did this idea come from? So the way I've described it to a lot of people is it's Private Benjamin at the Renaissance Festival, (laughs) which if you don't know what Private Benjamin is, you should. You should. You should go rent it right now because it's Goldie Hawn's like complete tour de force from the early 80s. Um, It is... um, It's based on my life. It's based on my life story, this series. It's... I... Okay, so the show is really a runaway bride that winds up by accident at the Renaissance Festival and kind of stays there to try and get her shit together. Um, myself, I ran away to the Renaissance Festival, but it wasn't. I didn't have a traumatic wedding <laughs> event. That that was just sort of updated because we really, in the world that we live in now, you know, you kind of you need an inciting incident to take your life that far off sure. course. We're all very planned in the world we live yes, in. Yes, yeah. You know, and um, and at the time, you know, I, I, I probably would have needed a traumatic event to get me there, but the truth is is that we just didn't have Google. 
when, <laughs> I, when at the time that I was auditioning for summer stock <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I was not a trained actress I went to school for communications I wasn't particularly good I loved improv what did you want to do you wanted to be in um, no I marketing or journalist I had or? no I really didn't know I mean I you know I was a classic example of someone who just kind of like shuffled through college head down taking classes that were mildly interesting discovering marijuana and like (laughs) I I really was going as an obligation to my parents like I I was a classic candidate for someone who should have had a gap year you know to think about it or found the right school maybe traveled in Europe oh yeah I mean I just think that the options were confusing and limited at that time which was at that time the early 90s um and you know again pre-internet so less uh, exposure to real opportunities beyond your immediate life, mm-hmm. what you see in front of you, yeah. less visibility. And so I, but I did know of this thing called summer stock and I thought, well, I do like acting. I mean, I like performing. I've always kind of been sort of circling the arts, even though I've never committed. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll audition and do like a summer theater thing while I continue to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> I, I truly believe at the time I had a contact for in Toronto for uh, someone who was a producer on what was the Yolanda show, which was like an old, oh. it was like a Phil Donahue rip. It was like an yeah, Oprah, I feel par, like have subpar Oprah. Of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was like my big plan was like, okay, well I guess <clears> after the summer I maybe go to Toronto and learn about Yolanda. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't. Anyway. <laughs> so I auditioned at the New England theater conference auditions, which they believe they still have. They're mm-hmm. just cattle call auditions for summer stock companies all over New England. And I wasn't very good. You know, Mm. I think I got two callbacks and one of them was for some kids theater in Ohio. (laughs) And one of them was for the Sterling Renaissance Festival, which was on Lake Ontario, really far upstate New York, like almost to the Canadian border. And I truly glanced at the brochure. They had us do some improv. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like Shakespeare in the Park. I mean, I truly was like that I've heard of. I know what that is. Borrowed my dad's car, drove up there and discovered a world I didn't know existed. And walked into the Renaissance Festival. And it was something that I didn't know what a Renaissance Festival was. Mm -hmm. I had never heard of a Renaissance Festival. They existed. But, like, even the one in Massachusetts, which is called King Richard's Fair, is the most dominant one, Mm -hmm. I think, in Massachusetts. I remember seeing the the posters or the billboards and being like, we should go to that. My parents were like, no. Like, I think in their mind, it was like, that's a hippie fetish weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Because that was probably their impression of what even that world might have been. Because it does look like a low-rent theme park when you don't know what it is. Right. And people have very, it's so funny how it, Renaissance festivals elicit very strong opinions from yes, people, yeah. whether they have been or not. Yeah. Most of the time when they have not been, they are just like, they know exactly what they are. They know where they come from mm-hmm. and they refuse to go. And yeah. it's like, okay, well you just don't know anything about it. Do you think it. people think it's just like a, like a bunch of nerds dressing, I think playing pe- dress up? I think people either think it's a sex festival <laughs> Like a fetishy thing with boobs. Maybe a little. Yep. Yeah. And, and it can't, listen, there's elements of that. By the way, they have that at Walmart. Like, right. it's like, that's with Trader Joe's. Like, I'm sure there's fetishes there. Yeah. So, yes, mm. they, they either think that or they think it's just nerdier than Comic-Con, which mm. is now cool. Mm-hmm. So, guess what? Ren Fair is now naturally now cool. a little bit cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, or they just think it's historical reenactments can be boring so like i think there's that range yeah and then they go and they're like okay it's what you want it to be yeah it's it's also kind of a mixture of all of those it things. is a mixture of, and in the truth yeah. is it wasn't born of any it was born of the hippie movement mm-hmm. so it, it's probably closest to a woodstocky thing mm-hmm. ultimately in its roots yeah but then as it's grown and as many 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 different fairs have interpreted it the way that they want to all over the country 
they come up with their own version of how much authenticity they want, how much history, right. how much just anything goes. And who decides that? The people that run it? Like yeah. The organi- so- They're privately owned fairs. Okay. Most of them. Some and of them. like, so there is one here in California. You mentioned one in Massachusetts. Yeah. Are they like by state or by region? They or? are all different. There's big fairs, little fairs, one weekend fairs, mm-hmm. eight weekend fairs, 10 weekend fairs. And some of the fairs are linked by a multi, like similar owners. So like, I okay. know that there's one owner for the, the big one in California, the mm-hmm. big one in Bristol in the mm-hmm. Midwest, and the big one in New York State. So those three fairs have the same owners. So what you'll see is a consistency with some of the, the acts. Yeah. You'll see probably a lot of the same food vendors. You'll see a lot of that kind of stuff. But ultimately, yeah, ultimately the owners and whoever they pick as their artistic directors will determine like the level of authenticity. Maybe one show will, they maybe they won't hire a show because it's very dependent on like modern anachronism. Mm-hmm. And maybe they want to lean more into like, we would rather keep it a little bit more historical. Right. It just depends it on depends the It depends on who's running Yeah, it. and the size oh, sometimes. And then so what inspired you then to write a show about this? Because you've had so yeah. much success in terms of like TV shows that you've been on. I've been a career guest star <clears throat> in a lot of ways is how I've put it. I've been mm-hmm. on one episode of Everything Good and Bad. <laughs> so it's very funny. People are like, I saw you on something. I'm like, I'm about to judge your viewing habits because yes. it could be good or it could be bad. And what's so funny is that some people would think of that and go, wow, that is a major success. And I for know. you, it's yeah. probably like very frustrating. Well, yes, and it was frustrating, I think, while I was going through it. But when I look back on it right now, I'm like, oh, no, this is incredibly cool to yeah. be a journeyman. I yeah. loved being a journeyman. I mean, I remember growing up watching sitcoms for hours mm-hmm. and seeing the same actors appear over and over and over again. And you yeah. get to know their faces. And my husband and I are both huge fans of those faces those characters those yeah. that guy that girl so no I like that um I think it gets frustrating when you think about how you're going to make a living mm-hmm. consistently it's totally. frustrating because you worry about job security you worry about having a family you worry about that you think oh god I just want a gig that will keep me employed for like a year yes so yeah. I think in terms of success it's just measured in different ways mm-hmm. um but no it's a story the Ren Fair story is just a story I've wanted to tell for 25 years yeah. I mean so because great. it was because it was because it was a kind and eye-opening story and it because the Ren Fair itself as a concept and as a place gave me such a left turn in life mm-hmm. and drove me to commit to being an artist drove me to commit to recognizing that life didn't have to immediately be graduation job married kids mm-hmm. maybe another degree retire like what right that was just something I did not know yeah and so when I saw a world where people actually were adults still enjoying their playfulness and their life and yet also living and making livings like adults I thought oh there's another way to live your life yeah so I love that message you know that's one thing I've we have really embraced being out here in California is because we were very much my husband and I were very much the get married have kids sure. not, not have kids excuse me get married get a job yes uh, we, we most are. people are <laughs> it's a very practical way to follow the path it of is. life yeah. and then we come out here and we realize wait a minute so there's non-traditional ways to um, have your kids go to school to give birth to your kids right. to and, and get big, a job and big you know? cities afford more of yeah. those choices yeah. um, and I grew up in a suburb <clears throat> you know of a very academic very conservative city like mm-hmm. Boston and so and you grew up in Oklahoma I think that you have less of an understanding about that particularly right. if you grow up pre-Google and pre, yeah. pre-information age yeah like there was a time when I never would have thought like right, I, right now I am a freelancer and I, there's, there was a time where I never would have thought I can't not have a full-time job. Uh huh. Yeah. Of course. I can't, how am I going to well, support myself? It's drilled into you as a child. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm like, wait, but I make, we make it work. 
So I love the idea that there's non-traditional and and different ways to live your life and find your creativity. I really believe that. I mean, I I had very similar experience, you know, and, and, and nothing like that would be more frightening to, especially, I mean, as an only child in Boston with my parents who, again, super traditional, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, I don't remember them ever suggesting that there was another path. I'm an only child too. Do people give you shit about it? Are like, Oh, she's an only child. Do people still do that? People do that to me. And I'm like, it slows down after a while. I mean, my husband's an only child too. Yeah. Um, so our kids have no aunts and uncles, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, um, I think I worry about that with my daughter because my my husband's sister is um, seven years younger than him, and his brother is seventeen years younger than him. So, so he's yeah. basically an only child. But you know what? I also am like, you give them friends, I yeah, mean, and you give yeah. them you know yeah. cousins, quote unquote, from all over other the place. friends, yeah. yeah. So I want to back up a little bit and talk about your creative journey once you got here to LA because you are widely known in the improv i mean you may not oh, think that you know you made it but so you funny are, i don't think of myself. In the okay. improv you, see, you are absolutely yeah the characters you created with ronan and beverly oh, sure, will yeah. resonate i know i'm sure a lot of people go oh i know who that is oh, yeah yeah ronan beverly um so let's let's talk about that a little bit how sure. did you get into improv did it start from the run fair and you kind of just you kept know, pursuing it or? i i started in college mm-hmm. i mean i I remember falling in love with the performative part of improv just from watching the old British. They used to run on Comedy Central before they had any original programming. They used to run the shit out of the old British Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. And I I thought that that was the funniest thing. I mean, as a kid, I was like, this is magic. (laughs) Um, And I wound up, yeah, like I sought it out a little bit in college. Mm -hmm. It was the only thing I cared about and that I enjoyed doing and that I had fun doing. I was like, this is what I like. I don't know how you make a career out of this, but this is what I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, then the Ren Fair happened, which, you know, so much of that job, by the way, is immersive improv. Yeah. And, you know, what it also opened up for me was like, oh, so you can make a living doing improv. I mean, I I truly, it's suddenly you could see improv being used in all these different places. You're like, okay, theme parks use improv and MCs for different things use Mm -hmm. improv. And people, there are ways to use it within the world that I hadn't considered. And, you know, at that time it was sort of short form versus an immersive. Mm -hmm. I wound up getting hired from uh, the Ren Faire the art, one of the artistic directors also worked in Disney theme parks. And the big moment at the Ren Fair season was when he would bring up all the Disney cronies and they would audition all the actors up there because they had this immersive entertainment experience. And then they would hire a bunch of people to work in Orlando. Oh. And this was kind of an interesting thing because it's sort of like the corporate version of a Ren Fair. You know, it's like, oh my God, wait a minute. I could work benefits. I'd get, mm-hmm. uh, I'd get, overtime like wait a minute it'd be and it's a corporation my parents have heard of yeah right? to play and act and uh, anywhere <clears throat> they want to use you in oh the my park. gosh did you so who were you at disney <laughs> okay well i got hired i did get hired and this was by the way the best thing that ever happened to my parents was like okay this i can understand and explain to my friends yeah, yeah like, they okay. were like oh she's got so, a job finally. yeah i moved down there for two years and i did a couple different things uh-huh. Uh, I worked at uh, Streetmosphere, which was their immersive energy. It was almost like their themed entertainment at, at their what was then MGM Studios is now um, Hollywood. Is Studios? now Hollywood yeah. Studios, right? So it was the pre-Universal 
thing. Although yeah. Universal was happening then too. So we did. I did a girl off the. I, what was it? It was like 1939 characters. Mm. Oh, and by fun. the way, yeah, it was fun. So I was Wanda Rosenstein, the biggest little star in Hollywood. <laughs> she was like a mob wife that had bought her way into Hollywood. I love Nobody. It. By the way, the average Disney goer was like, "Wait, what?" Like they were like, "Are you Madonna?" And I was like, "No." no. I, anyway, <laughs> so that was. But then for the second year that I was there, I worked at the Comedy Warehouse, which mm-hmm. is now gone. They had an and a nighttime entertainment complex called Pleasure Island, which had a bunch of different clubs. Mm. And one of the clubs was a comedy club. And it was almost like the the king of the dipshits. Like the coolest nerd job you could have at Disney was being one of the players at the Comedy Warehouse. Being, um, And this is where Mo, Mo Collins from uh, Mad TV came from. Paul oh, Vogt, who does a ton of Broadway yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, Kelly Holden, who's gone on to a lot of success. Like... A lot of people were kind of born from this place, which is interesting. But yeah. it, we would do four or five short-form improv shows, whose mm-hmm. line type shows a night for five nights a week. Yeah, and wow, it, it was boot camp. It was boot camp. I'm sure, by the way, I was absolutely terrible. Okay, <laughs> but it, it was I was 23, 24 mm-hmm. years old, and I was like, it was like working a muscle. You had to work clean mm-hmm. because it was Disney, but they were late night shows, so you could get away with a lot of innuendo. Yeah. Um, and you would do these shows, these 40-minute shows, three or four of them in a row, over and over and over again. And Wow, I love that. And the shows were always sold out because it was a popular evening place to go. And it was great. But at the age of 24, I was like, I don't think I want to live in Orlando. Yeah. I don't think this is the creative life that I want. Yeah. And it's an interesting place, Orlando, because what, what it wind up, what it's, what it's become is it becomes a place where a lot of like chorus boys and chorus girls wind up retiring mm-hmm. and they work in the theme parks and they have these incredibly cool nine to five careers jobs where they can buy a house and settle down and have kids and have ba- so it's sort of a I don't want to say it's a it's like a retirement community because mm-hmm. it's not but it is a place where a lot of people wind up and I looked at it and I was like I'm at the beginning yeah. I shouldn't be here yeah um and I loved a lot of people I met down there and I still love them mm-hmm. and you know th- Facebook was you know in the in between then and now so yeah, i still yeah. see and and track a lot of, and there's so much talent down yeah, there yeah yeah they have one of the most incredible theater fringe festivals in this country because those guys also need to get their creative juju mm-hmm. out you know they go and they work in the theme parks and then they go do the most like alternative cool shit at yeah. night so uh i moved from orlando to new york city i traditionally had the one phone number in my pocket yeah um, sorry, this is a long story. No, okay. I'm enjoying it. Okay, um, <clears throat> and it was truly for a guy who had like done some stuff in Orlando and done some stuff. By the way, they did have a the Disney people did have a derogatory term for Ren Fair people who came to work from the Ren Fair at Disney Mudwalker. Mudwalker. Yeah, like oh, ew, you're a Mudwalker. <gasps> yeah, isn't that funny? Snob. I know, I know, I love that. Oh my god. So um, I love it. it's so funny. Um, but I uh, I went to New York and this is a guy <clears throat> John Telfer. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of an older guy and like he knew about improv and stuff like that. And he knew about what was kind of going on in the city. And I called him like within two days of moving there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I'd saved up money from Disney. So I didn't have to like go get a waitressing job immediately. That's like I, I remember I saved like four figures and I was yeah. like, I can do this for yes. a couple of a couple of months. Yes. It's New York. Back then you could do it for a couple of yes, months. Now you can do it for a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I um I called him and I was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, there's this place, Chicago City Limits. You should go check it out. They do short form and great, great, great. That's where I met Paul Shear and Daniel Schneider and Andrew Daly and Sean Conroy and all these amazing people, Colton Dunn. Um, and he was like, but there's this new group in town and they're kind of taking over and they're really amazing. You should go see them. They're called the Upright Citizens Brigade. Oh. And I went to see a show 
and it was the four it was amy matt matt and ian and i was hooked Mm. And it was at Solo Arts. They didn't have their own theater. They were, you know, all still with their day jobs. Mm-hmm. Try- they were teaching classes themselves. I started taking classes right away um, and met a lot of people who have ha- gone on to great success. And really what was amazing about that time was being being part of it at the beginning. I mean, to me, that was my college experience. Mm-hmm. That was much more significant for me sure. was to be in New York in the late 90s and be going to Luna Lounge to see Eating It with Marin and Patrice O'Neill and Janine Garofalo and Sarah Silverman and yeah. then also like performing and taking classes from Amy Poehler and I mean honestly that's not something you can get in a classroom no I think that <clears throat> you know college uh, college is important and it certainly has its place but yep. like being able to sit down and learn directly from people it was who are amazing. doing it yeah is incredible and there's a big part of me that has not regret. Regret is not the right word, but a little bit of like, um, I don't know, just like, I feel a massive, like, Oh, I wish I would have had that experience and opportunity. Cause I got a theater degree from Oklahoma state. Yeah. Yeah. And my, um, or excuse me, I took theater classes got it. and then freaked out and was like, sure. what am I going to do? That's what I did degree? at BU. I was in the theater program for a weekend and then switched to communication. Yeah, yeah. And then I switched over to journalism yeah. and I became a reporter. So, Um, But I always still love that acting. And I always, I I came out here much older to LA. Like I was almost, I was thinking I was 29. Whereas a lot of people, (laughs) I know. so young. I know. I look at that now and I'm like, oh. By the way, that's about when I came out too. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like then I missed out on a lot of, of the beginning stages of so many of the things that are so great right now. Yeah, but but everything, there's things are always beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, things become institutions, they become too big, and mm-hmm. then they sort of fall off, and then new things get born, and that's yeah. just how, that's the pattern, you yeah. know? I mean, I feel very lucky that I was able to do that at the time. Mm-hmm. I wish there are some things I definitely, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was in the right place at the right time. You totally were. That's yeah. amazing. And I mean, it's like the tipping point, so it's like it was always under 100 people, that community, so you knew everybody's name. That's great. You know? I don't think there's, I feel like there's not of course, like to, but But to be clear, yeah. you know, it was also you know, 90% white straight men Mm -hmm. who thought that you were terrifying if you were a woman. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They they had that even then. UCB seems like such an accepting... Oh, now it is. Oh, no. But then it wasn't. No, 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 no. No, no. Then it was like two women on a team if you were lucky and the other woman wouldn't talk to you because she was competing with you. Oh, damn. Yeah. It was, it was not, it was not not hostile in my opinion, looking back. Um, And what was interesting about it is also if you came from where I came from, which was literally the nerdiest place, the Ren fucking Ren Fair and Disney, that is not cool In that when you're in the alternative comedy scene. They're like, scene. oh, yeah, you're from Disney? Oh, okay. Well, they were like, they just didn't know what to make of me, I think. I mean, it was almost like, I think the equivalent, and I, I kind of refer to this a lot, is Julie Klausner has that amazing book, I Don't Care About Your Band. And what I love is she talks about being a, an un, sort of an unapologetic feminine presence in that world. Mm-hmm in that same time period, maybe a little bit after me, Mm -hmm. but she, you know, they made her, she, the best comparison, she was like, I was Miss Piggy. And 
Miss Piggy is loud and brash and feminine <clears throat> and emotional and mm-hmm. Kermit is embarrassed by her and his <laughs> friends are like, can you please ditch the pig? Like, she's really loud and like, we're terrified and like, we're turned on but we're not into her. Like, it's like, and, and I, I, looking back, like, I felt that way. I yeah. felt like a complete misfit because I liked musical theater and I liked the Ren Fair and I liked Shakespeare. I liked things that had an earnestness to it mm-hmm. and at that time, earnestness was not... No, it was you couldn't have a real conversation with people. It was it was just bit, bit, bit. And I do think that one of the benefits of this next generation of comedy is this inclusiveness and this there is a kindness that wasn't there. It was more self-protection and defensiveness and bit land, which is effective. And mostly guys like not wanting you to take their stage time. Oh, God. Well, yeah, I mean, that for sure. Like, I mean, they just didn't they just and it's not even their fault I mean everybody's mm-hmm. product of their generation sure. and I get that but like it no, was very white it was very indie <laughs> rock chic and like yeah. you just were kind of if you didn't act like a boy you were just no one knew what to do, how to relate to you like I, I would do these great shows with guys and then we would go backstage and nobody would talk to like we wouldn't know how to talk to each other That's we so didn't know strange. how to relate to each other it was yeah. super weird it was yeah. very weird and then I would find my girls like mm-hmm. these amazing women who have all gone on to a really amazing shit like mm-hmm. Donna Donna Furman and Danielle Schneider and uh Jessica St. Clair and like all these mm-hmm. you know and I met Jessica Chaffin <clears throat> at the time to go back to Ron and Beverly mm-hmm. newer in New York just cutting ahead because I know this is long. You're fine. We, we, You're we, fine. Um, I, I know you have a dentist appointment, but we still oh, have plenty so of time. Oh, it's so sexy. Listen, everything <laughs> in LA is so glamorous, <clears throat> even getting a filling. Yeah. Um, no, I am. Um, we moved to LA. I moved to LA in 2002. Okay. And um, we, the UCB theater did not exist in in LA until right. like it 2005. Was, so what was, it had just opened when I moved here. Right. Yeah. So and I just started started teaching right when it opened. So you know there were three years of just kind of floating around mm-hmm. and trying to. What was great about that is that it gave me a chance to. It pushed me to get to know the other comedy institutions. I mm-hmm. got to know a bunch of the Groundlings, Groundlings people. Yeah. I got to know a bunch of the people at uh, I.O. Did West. you ever go to Acme Comedy Theater? Or I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Acme? Yep. So when I moved out here, I um, everybody told me, you got to go do the Groundlings. Because I did improv in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I know sounds kind of crazy. But no, no, it doesn't. Solid... But th- I was rolling my eyes at, at yeah. having, to, having to do the Groundlings. Yeah. But yeah. We, um, we, we had a great improv little team. Sure. And we had so much fun. And everyone's like, you have these great, amazing characters. You have to local small cities have there's a great team in atlanta that does amazing stuff like it's just that's how it rolls yeah so we um i came out here with the idea like oh i must go to the groundlings that's where all the snl people come from i have a big character lady that's what i do uh and i got a little scared because it was expensive and everyone said it'll take you five years they'll never that's my that's my my, you're too much like melissa mccarthy you know so you start to go uh maybe i shouldn't so i looked around and ucb had i literally think just opened its doors or, Mm -hmm. or something like that and so i went to acme comedy theater and i feel like over the years i look back and i think it's been a series of just like bad choices well (laughs) because if i had gone to ucb i feel like i could have met you you might have been my teacher like i could have you know you know it's and now acme doesn't even exist i there were years there were years that i said to myself why didn't i go to chicago instead of new york after yeah uh after after disney Disney. yeah because if i'd gone to chicago i could have gone to second city and then i would have been on saturday night live but uh, first of all that might not have happened right second of all um I, I, 
I there was no point in my emotional life that I ever would have been ready for Saturday. <laughs> like, let's be real <laughs> clear that about a my goal of yours. Was that I think it was everybody's. I mean, goal. you're so great at characters. Thank and you. you. Really, I appreciate yourself, that. So. Um, I did audition for Saturday Night Live. Oh, amazing! Um, like many, many people, mm. I, it would have been. I probably would have committed suicide. I mean, oh. I think that that environment would never have worked for my emotional fragility. Sure. There were just so few options. It was yeah. that or The Daily Show, and The Daily Show for yeah. women was a you know constant rotating. And I actually woman. auditioned for The Daily of course. Show. Like I was shocked. I was like, Oh my god! I mean, there were yeah. those were the options when I was in New York. Yeah, and um, you know, look. there's so many more options Mm -hmm. now and and the truth there are there's a tremendous yeah there are because people are allowed to make their own content Mm -hmm. I mean there's just it's a completely different landscape yeah do you still do improv regularly or do you feel like you're kind of your focus is shifting another thing I do I love I still love improvising my husband and I do a show called Super Married every once in a while so we still get to improvise together which is super fun and you guys meet we did we met in Amy's level two yes oh my god that's so funny Uh we met in level two we met in level two that's such an like improv thing to say believe me I know well I know so many (laughs) improv couples that I don't feel that weird about it but yeah it is yeah but that's so cute I love that me Um, too but you know it 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 was the three years that I spent experimenting around uh-huh. LA at the time I felt like I was missing something in New York because sure. the UCB theater was then exploding, exploding right yeah. so then by the time they moved to LA helped build the theater out here mm-hmm. taught and actually Rana and Beverly was born the very first like Christmas show that they had in 2005 because they needed to do something that was fun and they asked of course like the two Jews me and Jessica (laughs) like do you guys want to do something and we're like all right and we basically put on those wigs that night and never took them off for the next 12 years yeah yeah (laughs) um which was fun and you know what was interesting about Rana and Beverly is that it came so easily Mm -hmm. to us I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but for me, I was almost like this can't be what I'm going to be doing because it just feels like there's no challenge it's just my I'm just channeling the voices of my mother and her friends like it doesn't feel yeah it doesn't feel hard to me shouldn't it be suffering and hard and what I learned is like it doesn't have to be suffering and painful Mm. and hard it can be sometimes squeezing out a a project is really birthing and labor Mm -hmm. sometimes it just falls right out yeah so that was how sort of how Rana and Beverly was born. And then it just sort of developed over time from us emceeing to just talking to our guests. Like back in the early, we must have had Mark Marin on like three or four times and he would just drone on and we would just razz him the entire time. That's and so same fun. with Jeff Garland. Yeah. And so it became this thing where it was suddenly we like, and it became, it was that thing of like, well, now do we pitch it? And so we did. You know, it ultimately proved to be like a really great, platform and really successful and we were able to do a lot of shows and then Jessica and I went our different ways and um artistically and personally just were pulled completely in different directions and you know listen 12 years is a great run Mm -hmm. so um and we're still very known for it and we continue to kind of do them on our own when we can yeah so well what I love about all of this is that you you have such tenacity and you're never giving up but most of that is, I do. don't know what the hell else I'm going to do. What am I going to do? <laughs> I don't, it's, I can't be an accountant and I don't want to go back to school. That seems very expensive. It does seem very expensive. Um, well, I do love that you, you've, you have these wonderful characters, but then you also are able to put them on paper and create things like an American princess. Um, and I know you said you did as well for, um, uh, Ron and Beverly, you guys created a show for them as well. And oh, we did. We did a, yeah. we did a pilot for Showtime. We mm-hmm. did a little short series in the UK. We mm-hmm. did a pilot for a, 
another company here in LA. So do you feel now like your endeavors are leaning more to the creating side yes. and writing for other people? Yes. Do you feel like the acting chapter is kind of coming The acting chapter, hey, let's or? put it this way. The auditioning chapter is closed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be schlepping across the Fox lot oh anymore. Oh my God. Um, and I want better parking. I wish that I could, I wish that I was at that point. Where By the I, way, there's a YouTube channel waiting to happen of just interviewing actors as they are as forced to humiliate yes. themselves parking at the century city mall yes. and then carrying their heels in the hundred degree heat mm-hmm. and walking over to the fox lot for yep. auditions hey everyone who owns a studio how about you give the actors that weird parking space situation since they're going to be leaving anyway right. how about that it drives me crazy it really is one of the most disrespectful I, we i it really is i can't so I've gotten to a point where my rage about disrespect for <laughs> actors has taken over my ambition. I have, by the way, no disrespect. to. I have friends who are the most professional. They will show up. They will wait. They will be brilliantly polite. That mm-hmm. I just, my, I am a poison in a waiting room now. Like I go in and I am just like, my head is filled like, with snakes. I don't want to be here. Yep. I, hate I don't want to be here. I hate you. Why are you forcing me to do this? Oh my God. I love that. And, <laughs> and I just feel like that toxicity is not welcome. Yeah. It is not necessary. <laughs> I should not be there. Yeah. So yeah, no. All right. So I, I am not a fan of auditioning, but I think, you know, we were talking about earlier, like I got stuck in co-star land. And so for me, it just became a part of like, this office has cast me three times. They know I can read one line. Why do I need to go to Santa Monica to audition for this? Correct. And when I would tell my agent that she would go, you should be grateful. Makes me want to stab And I'm like, should I be? Then you start to go, oh my God, maybe I should. Because there are people who would walk over hot coals. What I would say to you is you should get write a very nice professional brief email to the assistant at the casting company and say, Hey, I'm on the hunt for a new agent. Uh, you know, my work. Um, mm-hmm. is there anyone that you particularly like working with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who do you guys love? Yeah. Um, so I totally understand about that and about the whole auditioning process and actors are, and I've learned this since starting motherhood in Hollywood. Actors are kind of the low man on the totem pole. Hundred percent. Like we see, yep. you know, the stars and big celebrities, the one percenters in Hollywood who have it all and are making decisions. But what people don't realize, and I think the average actor doesn't realize, is they are also producers. Correct. They are also um, doing other things behind the scenes, which gives them a little bit of power and clout on set. But Correct. the average actor is literally just you go here, you stand there. Everybody is telling Betty them Gilpin what to do. Betty Gilpin from Glow wrote yeah. one of the best pieces about this emotional roller coaster and psychological mindfuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Where did she write it? I, I believe it. it's the Hollywood Reporter. Oh, okay, so you cool. can Google Betty Gilpin out. Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. It is exactly about this. She is like, it is about feeling like you are a goddess one day. There are people who are literally mm-hmm. there to make sure that your sweat bead does not, does not show. Does not Correct. The and then the next day you are... Garbage. Walking across the Correct. fox lot, on your and heels. It, it is not how a human is meant to live out a yes. career. And you have to be emotionally prepared for it. Those highs and lows. Correct, and yeah. that's why that's why a lot of actors go crazy once they get a little bit of respect because yes. they're so used to being tortured and yes. demented for so long. Um, and I, I got very tired of that game, and and I can tell you from being on the other side mm. that the actors are still the least important thing, just mm-hmm. from the. It's it's really it's a it's a bummer and yeah. and I consider myself a huge advocate mm-hmm. for actors as a as a um, 
producer. Creator, yeah. Because not everybody is. Yeah. Um, I happen to work with people who really are and who really have a very, very, very tremendous, a a tremendous amount of respect for actors across the board and Mm -hmm. artists in every department. But I can tell you that at the studio and network level, it's very interesting because it is not their concern. No. The the actors need to. The budget is. Correct. They're they're numbers. They're not numbers. And and they're and actors are the most of the are the most humane of all of them. So Mm -hmm. they're going to get the shit on the most. Yes. Yeah. It's tough. See, and that's great that we're talking about this because that's something that I don't think a lot of actors understand. Or maybe you know, if they're new, they just moved to Hollywood. Like they think, don't get bent about it because they don't care. Yeah. So do what you need to do. Which is why it's such a mind f when you don't get that audition and you go in and yeah, they're not thinking about you. No, it's not. It's almost always not you. But but on the other side of that, something that I hope is comforting Mm -hmm. is if you have a bad audition, or you don't feel good about an audition, Mm -hmm. it's over they're it's gone in their minds it's yeah. got, like they're not going to hold it against you they're not going to yeah. remember they're not going to they're not going to hold on to it as long as you're going to hold on to it yes. and i know yeah. because i have been on both sides they're just not they they often will be like ah oh, bad day whatever or not right mm-hmm. or not right because not right right you know our lead is blonde we cannot put another blonde in this world we don't have time to dye our hair it's not gonna happen yeah i mean I arbitrary remember, i remember not i remember auditioning for desperate housewives a bunch of times so finally the casting director told my agent like they're never gonna put her in a scene with marcia cross right and because I you like, look like marcia cross she's the same coloring ridiculous i thought yeah. oh my god in life there are more than one redhead more than one blonde or whatever but matter. for whatever reason on tv we can't they want to have that balance yeah and it's it's a it's but I, they don't want to have that balance um racially like we can't oh, have yeah. more well, than like more now you know more I mean? now yes. it is more now more but now like thank god then, but yeah like, no no back then forget it yeah no no no, no, no. Yeah. yeah i mean and that's a huge part of things mm-hmm. right now one you know. of the things i love about your show at least what i've seen from the um the trailer so far is it seems very diverse oh i, I hope yeah and it seems like there is it's a all- diverse world yeah. we're lucky we picked a world where we can we don't have to ever fight for a diverse <clears throat> choice i mean i love that you know and listen i take my inspiration a lot from rachel bloom and crazy ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. because i worship 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 that show and worship all the creatives behind it i worship the one product. of my best friends is a writer one of my <gasps> close friends is a writer <gasps> on that rachel <gasps> specter oh I'm a yeah. huge fan. Yeah, she's huge so fan. Yeah. Um, and so for me, like I, but but what I love about one of the things I love about that show is they just cast it mm-hmm. and didn't do some weird like give us credit for all of our diversity like they never there was never a moment it just it was just it just was it just reflects the the fucking world yeah yeah and like I'd watch it with my kids and like my kids don't think it's odd that like they, to me it's the world they live in right. they go to school where there are koreans and black people yes. and, and, and yeah. it's just that's i mean i know he's no yeah. i can't think of a korean character yeah, I know. now i'm a racist <laughs> but you know what i mean like filipino i know he's filipino but you know what i mean like yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah. just they don't that's the world they see yeah and i think about it because i'm sitting there going like this is fucking revolutionary like right. to me it's so amazing but that's the same thing when i look back at the ucb theater it's like there's so much diversity there's so much diversity in terms of sexual orientation in terms of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gender identification in terms of racial diversity and it's like it is it, it it's it's a pleasure it's just yeah. like it, I keep thinking about how much kinder mm-hmm. the 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 atmosphere might have been if I had been able to participate at 
a younger age now in this group now. yeah in this world yeah now. I mean I really appreciate it yeah. you know I mean I, I it was I it never occurred to me that it was hostile when I was going through it mm-hmm. as much as when I look back you can, yeah you and can then I'm just now. like holy shit that was a war <laughs> zone <laughs> you know I mean think about it just the competitive element the you know knowing that zone, again yeah. knowing there was only one role on the daily show for a woman mm-hmm. and like having to like look at the people that you loved and that were your friends but also being like bitch I'll take your but shit I down hit you with a car yeah, I feel like not healthy. I know I shouldn't, but I do. I'm like, bitch, I will hit you with my car. There's room for more than one <laughs> big girl. It's I'm so like, stupid. If I, if I get compared, I actually, it's so funny. I get compared to her so much and I get auditions. We want a Melissa McCarthy type. Like, that's what I get. I joke about it. I used to do a hashtag, like hashtag not Melissa McCarthy. Like, yeah, we're different you should. people. And also your energy is and very different. Thank you. And my husband, um, for Christmas made a shirt that has a hashtag not Melissa McCarthy on it. That's kind of adorable. Because I want to be like, listen, we're different people. We can both be funny and be curvy and I can't, all that. You know I, what but I mean? I, this this <clears throat> idea, I mean, that is one thing that it's we worry about comparison. with the diversity thing is like we get into this like tokenism place where sure. it's like one of everything. And yes. it's like there are a bunch of shows on TV where it's like, why is there only why one of everything? You've yeah. got to have like two and yeah. then maybe they can have a conversation about more. something that doesn't even involve race. Right. Exactly. Or, or size or gender. Speci- Imagine that. I, yeah. It's uh, the Bechdel thing that needs to kind of be applied to all, all of it. Of it. Yes. So, yeah. Well, I think that from what I've seen so far, it looks like you are really um, capturing the world of the rent but to. also the world we live in. I'm and, trying to capture a kind world. And I'm very excited for everybody to see this. And I'm also very excited because I'm going to be joining you at the special event at the rent fair next week. Yay! I'm Oh my so gosh, we're gonna have so much that. fun! I'm, I'm so like, psyched you're coming. I'm trying to decide what I want to wear because I want to. I'll just be dressed like up. Bring the girls out. Oh, will you? Yeah. Okay, good. I was gonna ask absolutely. you. Absolutely. Then I'm totally gonna go. Oh, for absolutely, it. girl. Yeah, I'm gonna have a very like strange situation. Uh, I'm, so I'm gonna excited. combine my Ren and my hippie. I think. <gasps> Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. I'm so excited. Well, me too. Um, I appreciate your time so much. Me too. And thank you for coming by and chatting with me and like just sharing your wisdom and your experience. Oh my God. Like it's well, it's definitely you may listen, not feel like well, I the older you, roll your you eyes, get, but- the more the more of a journey you have. That's <laughs> yeah, just how yeah, it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so tell everybody quickly a little bit more about your show and where they can find you on social American media. American Princess, um uh uh, at, at, at Lifetime TV on Instagram, um, hashtag American Princess, and you will be able to see them s- episodes starting on Sunday, June second, on a Lifetime, and I think it goes to Hulu afterwards. I should know that. <laughs> we'll it occurs out. to me that I should know that. <laughs> we'll find out. But we'll anyway, out. It, anyway, I hope it'll be fun <clears throat> and buzzy and, and exciting oh, for people. It's be great. Yeah. You're going to need new appointment TV because, bitches, Game of Thrones is over. over. (laughs) I know. All right. Well, I'm going to put up information about American Princess and also about Jamie up on motherhoodandhollywood.com. Thank you so much. Oh, wait. My podcast. Oh, yeah. Tell us about your podcast. Beverly in L.A. This is Beverly, the character of just Beverly out in L.A. doing all kinds of L.A. weird stuff. And you can binge it if you want to do it on Stitcher Premium and use the offer code Beverly in the next couple of weeks and you can just listen to all 10 episodes if you want. Cool. Okay, you guys definitely do that and I'll put that up on Motherhood. I'm done done plugging. I'm done plugging. (laughs) You can plug as, that's what we're here for. You can do as much as you want. Um, Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week and remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls.